powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. Mod back here once again with Game Over Ottawa. Unfortunately, discussing another Senator's loss, their fourth in a row. But here with me today, I have the lovely Biata. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Um, better than I was after the second period of that game. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, still wish I was yeah, here to talk about a very fun win, but oh well. Yeah, I was totally prepared to come on here halfway through the game and just be ranting the whole time and depressed. And even though the Sens still lost, it, like now, now I'm kind of torn. It's like the comeback effort was really great, but it's not the not the way we wanted to see the game end. Obviously, mm-hmm. after that Timmy goal, I was ready to run through a wall. I was oh, so yeah. hyped, and it's just like slow realization that they're not going to tie it after all. So yeah, yeah, definitely disappointing. And the crowd was so into it at that point in the third period too. It felt like a playoff atmosphere in there from from what I could hear on TV that was really nice to see as well the the Sens giving uh the crowd something to cheer about after after that rough really rough first half of the game but uh we'll get into all of that in just a sec I'd like to thank our sponsor first sports interaction want to bet you can do it at sports interaction Canada's sportsbook football continues the world series is ongoing and the hockey season is well underway Bet pregame, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians, by Canadians, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Now, speaking of playing responsibly, in a little bit of a different context. The Sens had a rough time of that tonight in their own zone. What did you think of the defensive performance? Uh, I mean, the thing is, this is what we thought we would see from the Sens this season. So it's like, it's hard to be mad when it's like, we knew going into the season that this defensive group was probably going to put up a lot of those types of performances. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm more like, if it's more encouraging or frustrating to see that at least in this game, the Sens seem to like control play a lot. Like they had the puck a lot. They, they like outshot their opponents. Um, I think they put up like 40 shots. Like it was pretty good. They didn't play terribly, but then there were just these like absolutely like mind boggling defensive miscues Mm -hmm. where I, I just, I, I can hardly believe what happened. Right. Which is, again, what we expected, but, like, just a few of those completely tanked the game, you know? Yeah, Yeah. it it sucks because, like you said, the Sens played pretty well in terms of uh, puck possession, and they really carried play, brought the game to the Knights, and it was just those specific breakdowns, those little moments that allowed the Knights to score all their goals. Like, it was a lot of broken plays or, like, chances off the rush and stuff and turnovers, because... The Knights only ended with 32 shots, which is not super low, but like for a team that's kind of rough defensively, considering especially what we saw in the last two games in Florida, it's actually pretty good to hold your opponent to only uh, 32 shots, especially since they the Vegas uh, Golden Knights had that lengthy five on three in the third period as well that helped them uh, get their shot count up too. But 
but yeah, it was just tough to see those those defensive mistakes were really costly. Like, I know that'll happen with a young team. It can be expected that those kinds of things happen, especially compared to Vegas. They're a very veteran full team. But it was just disappointing to see some of those plays. Like, I don't want to harp on Jake Sanderson at all because he's been amazing. But it was a, probably not his best night so far. He was uh, kind of directly involved on the second and third Vegas goals. What did you think of his game tonight? Yeah, I thought he got beat off the rush a lot, which, like, he's... It's happened a few times during the season, but not that often. Um, and it's to be expected, right? Like, he's not used to being to playing against NHL opponents. Um, I actually thought that he was really, really impressive on the power play. I thought, like, I've, I think all season i've been really really impressed by how well his offensive instincts have like translated to the nhl mm -hmm. that's not a given like i i that's a, been a pleasant surprise for me i'm not like concerned about jake sanderson i'm sure he'll be fine um it sucks that like yeah he made a few mistakes that i don't want to say they cost the sense the game but they certainly didn't help and it sucks that like he has a bad night and suddenly the whole team is is bad right yeah um that's the thing when you yeah. have to uh sort of rely on rookies especially on defense because that stuff's just gonna mm -hmm. happen with the learning curve to the nhl level i think that's why a lot of people wanted to see another defenseman brought in by pierre durian uh whether to partner with shabbat or sanderson just to some like more of a veteran to kind of carry the weight and not have everything uh fall on the shoulders of, of young guys like Sanderson and Branstrom. So that that was a little tough to see tonight. That kind of uh, hole in the lineup in terms of veteran defensive presence. Uh, I mean, yeah. we did we did have Zaitsev and Hamannik out there. I I did want I did want to come on here complimenting Zaitsev to be honest today because I thought he actually had a, a quietly decent game, especially for his standards. However, that. Uh, gloving the puck penalty in the third period that put us down five on three that that was just inexcusable and that kind of i don't that kind of understand things. that yeah <laughs> like i don't understand i yeah and like again i don't want to like harp on zaitsev all the time but like how do you as an nhl player who has been in the league for this long how do you do that like what is going through his mind to do that and yeah like i, I was gonna say like i would still rather have a game where like a bunch of young inexperienced defensemen made some mistakes and cost us the game and it was like eh this is slightly concerning but I'm sure they'll be fine versus what keeps happening which is guys like Zaitsev and Hamannik costing us the game and you're watching this going like you know everybody else is like at least doing okay and these guys are dragging the team down and I feel like there's like there's no way that a, Jacob Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson are worse than this, and B, that them being in the NHL at this point in their careers is going to be, like, that bad for them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, and speaking of uh, Bernard Docker and Thompson, they actually, on the TSM broadcast, they asked Bruce Garriach in the first intermission about whether or not we would see either of these guys as a potential call-up option soon. And he kind of hinted that we might. He said something along the lines of, oh, we might be seeing like a surprise scratch that would uh, open the way for, for one of these two guys if they decide to call one up. 
And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that in terms of how he phrased that as saying that we might see a surprise scratch. I'm not really sure who that would be. Like, what did you think of that? Well, yeah, because Zaitsev is the obvious one, but he's been scratched. I'm worried he's just going to talk about, like, Brandstrom or something. But also, Brandstrom's on the left side, and I know Holding can play left, but I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. I really do hope we see those two, though. Like, I generally have been, like, defending the Sens in their decisions about those two players for a while. I think it's pretty clear that, like, you know, they don't think these guys are bad. They're just really, really concerned about developing them the right way and everything. And they always, they're very consistent about like always giving guys a lot of time in the minors. But I really do think that at this point, it's time to like give them some NHL experience. I don't understand why neither of them was called up. Like Hetherington, I, I think I said this on Twitter a while ago, Hetherington is just the guy that they call up when like, they just need someone to sit in the press box and they don't want, you know, one of their good players to be mm -hmm. sitting in the press box, right? Yeah. Um, you can kind of tell that they're, like, less invested in his development, whereas with, like, JBD and Thompson, they're, like, really committed to, we have to do this right, we can't, like, make any mistakes with them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, I, but I think at this point, the right decision would be to bring them up, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, at this point, it's it's not going to hurt. I don't think they're going to perform any worse, like make the defense perform any worse than it has been. Like both of them as well got a decent amount of NHL experience last year, you know, when the team was mm -hmm. hit with COVID. You could argue that maybe they were kind of forced into the lineup sooner than the team would have wanted because of that, but it's still valuable experience that they got. So mm -hmm. I think at this point, if they decide to call up... Uh, either of them really i think that would be a good decision i think a lot of fans would like to see these guys play as well mm -hmm. now i will ask if they call up one of these two guys who would you prefer them to pick i know that thompson kind of had like a better season last year than jbd did at least in the nhl and he kind of seems to be their favorite i still think that jbd is a better fit for like the team at the moment for what they need um he's a really solid defensive like presence um he works really well with Shabbat uh he also like has played with Sanderson before and I know the team probably would not like to like put two rookies together but like I feel like that could work right and um yeah I I think I would go with JBD over Thompson but yeah. honestly like either one would work and they could just rotate them you know like like what they did at the end of last season just like give them a few weeks at a time and then just keep going through it I don't know that's a good point. They definitely could call up both of them. Mm -hmm. And depending on who is performing better, just kind of go back and forth between the two. I think I do agree that if I had to pick one, I would go with JBD, though. Just, just kind of like mm -hmm. you said, he's more of that shutdown style defenseman that we could probably use. Like when Thompson was playing up here last year, he brought a pretty good puck moving element to the Sens game. But now that we have Sanderson in the lineup and Bradstrom playing pretty well too as a puck mover, I feel like uh, JBD's play style is probably more of a fit if they're going to uh, put mm -hmm. one of those two guys into the lineup. And as you said, he seems like a pretty good uh, stylistic partner for Shabbat. To be honest, he kind of reminds me of mm -hmm. Dylan DeMello so far. And even though the Sens weren't exactly successful when Dylan DeMello was around. Everyone liked him. Everyone liked how he played. Mm -hmm. Just a solid, quiet defenseman who doesn't make too many big mistakes. I feel like JBD could potentially fill that role for the Sens, and it would, be, it would be nice to see him get a call-up opportunity here because the way that they're defending right now, like, you got to try something, really. 
And speaking of Shabbat, I'd like to know what you thought of his game tonight, because over the past few games, I've seen quite a few fans on Twitter kind of uh, criticizing him. They've not really been enjoying his play so far this season. What what did you think of Shabbat tonight and so far this season? Yeah, he's definitely had some bad moments. I still think, like, I've been a Shabbat defender, and part of it is a bit. Part of it is just, like, me being mad at people being mad at Shabbat, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just think it's really, really hard to criticize Shabbat and to evaluate his play just with the circumstances because, like, we've we've barely seen Shabbat, like, playing a reasonable amount of minutes with a competent partner on, like, just a decent team, right? Like, he has spent his entire career overworked, dragging around, like, practically dead weight, and he does so much and often tries to do more right tries to do too much and that's kind of where he gets burned um and so yes he makes mistakes but like it's hard to blame him for it right like you know Carlson was in the same situation and also made a lot of those mistakes it's just that Carlson is obviously you know was obviously much better um, and was able to like tilt the ice a little bit more than Shabbat can which isn't you know anything against Shabbat right um it's just anyone would struggle in that kind of situation so I really just really, really want to see like a full season of Shabbat with reasonable minutes with like someone like Zub or Jacob Bernard Docker next to him, you know, so that I can actually see what he's like when he is in that type of situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about the Carlson comparison, whereas obviously Carlson has just insane talent. It's hard to compare anyone to him, but it, there is the similarity in that uh, they play so many minutes for this team that, like you said, it's it's hard to avoid mistakes. They can't be perfect playing 30 minutes a night. And I'll have to check how much he played here tonight. But yeah. it was it was a little disappointing to me seeing Shabbat start off the game with that turnover to Mark Stone just a couple minutes in. It's like, similar to you, I don't want to criticize Shabbat too much yet, but I felt like he was just a little too lackadaisical on that play. Usually he's trying to do too much, and I feel like maybe he was doing a little bit too little on that play, just kind of softly swatting at the puck and just like slipped away through our three guys in the slot right to Stone. I thought that was a, a little bit of an ugly moment for him. Hopefully, though, he can improve in the next few games. And like you said, I think he really misses Zub as his partner too. Like we all know as well, talking about Carlson again, we all know that he was at his best when he was paired with Mark Mathot. Like just, it's mm -hmm. not even close to whenever he had to uh, drag around other people as his partner. No one could uh, come close to his partnership with Mark Mathot. And I think it's a little too early to say that Zub could be quite on that level yet, but at least judging from the first six or so games of the season before Zub got injured, it seems like it's a huge step up from anyone else that we can really put in there on the right side. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, yeah, even with stuff like that turnover, like, yes, it was frustrating, but honestly, I will be mad at Shabbat when there's a game where like everybody is good except for him. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. This was a game where like, it felt like everybody was bad and like, yes, Shabbat was also bad, but like, I mean, you're really going to blame him. He's on the ice for half the game. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to have those mistakes. I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I just wish we could get out of this era. <laughs> I agree. That's a good point as well, that the whole team was sloppy for the first half of the game too. So 
not the most fair to put it all on one player. And uh, I, we wish the best for Shabbat in the upcoming games. Now, I'd like to take a moment to uh, ask everyone to like and subscribe to SDPN. Like the stream if you're enjoying it. And after the stream, leave a comment down below. Let us know your thoughts on tonight's game. Now, we spent a lot of time talking about the defense. I want to ask you about some of the forwards today. Who was your standout performance on offense for the Senators? I think it was probably Tim Stutzla, which is kind of easy given that, you know, he had the two goals, mm -hmm. um, two real goals, unlike somebody else. <laughs> I, know, I don't want to like be being Tushiku here, but no, um, I feel like, I, I don't know, he's been kind of frustrating at the beginning of the year because he has the possession numbers. Like he's, he's really, really good in underlying numbers. He's driving play and stuff, but just like he makes these bad mistakes and offensively it's not really working. It's a lot like early in last season which is kind of concerning. And it was really nice to see in this game where he really, really, like it really looked like he, you know, found his footing. It was really in his element. Like he, he did a lot of work on those goals and was all over the place offensively, I found. So I was, I was pretty impressed. I agree. It seemed like uh, that turnover that he had, I believe it was on the fourth Vegas goal, the shorthanded goal, that seemed mm -hmm. to really light a fire under him. And after that, he kind of took over the game to a certain extent. It was really nice to see, especially because that turnover really frustrated me as uh, Stutzla has been kind of quiet lately. And then seeing like a glaring defensive error like that is just, it just sucks. And it, it took a lot of momentum out of the team at that point in the game too. You know, if they score on that power play, it could have been a one goal game. Uh, instead, it ends up a, a three goal margin at that point. But he ended up getting it back, getting two goals back. I was really impressed with him tonight. And like you said, you were kind of wondering if it's kind of similar to last season where he was snake bit for a long time. It was really nice to see him grab two goals here so he's not stuck on that one goal mark for a long time. Because we know last season it took him, I think, 15 or so games to actually score, which was a lot of, uh, a lot of bad luck, I think, but it seemed to kind of get to him. I think he's learned from that experience that hopefully... Uh, a goalless drought like that uh, won't get to him again. He, he snapped it pretty soon here, pretty quickly. It was only a few games without scoring, so that was really nice to see. Yeah, and he seems like a really competitive guy. Like, I think it was really getting to him last season and stuff. And, you mm -hmm. know, he, he rides the highs and lows um, quite a lot. So, yeah, definitely good to see a bit of a middle ground from him. And relating to Stutzla as well, the line combinations were pretty interesting tonight as they got juggled about halfway through the game. They had started with uh, Debrinket, Stutzla, and Giroux, which all offseason was the line that everyone was super hyped for. We're like, oh my god, Stutzla finally has wingers now, and they're just going to put up so many points. And then DJ didn't really use it at all until now, and then it only lasted one period. What do you think of uh, how that line ended up getting broken up? I don't understand this whole saga with with that line at all because like on paper it seems like it would work perfectly right you just look at like their skill sets and it seems like a perfect fit Debrinket and Jihu have been great together right so like that combination is kind of locked in and you know maybe Stutzler wasn't scoring maybe they weren't scoring that much at the beginning but it just feels like if you give them a bit of time they'll be fine and like they did fine in this game I thought I thought they were a really good line um yeah and you know even then like i i understand that pinto plays with jigu and debrinket on the power play so i kind of understood that logic of like 
organizing the lines in that way. Um, so I, I kind of see both ways of organizing it, but I don't know why DJ Smith just keeps shuffling them like that. Like just, just, just stick to a line combination and like give it a few games, let it work. I am sure that they'll figure it out eventually, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, I actually thought that line, the original line with Dibrinka, Giroux, and Stutzla, I thought they were very good in the first period. I thought they were the Sens' best line throughout that period. And I'd have, I don't know about the shot metrics, but the team put up 16 shots in that period and was kind of unlucky to only have one goal. I think they hit the post once or twice there. And I think it was a maybe more of a situation of the other top six forward line not performing as well. Uh, that resulted in the line juggling because I really didn't see too much from Kachuk, uh, Pinto, and Batherson uh, at that point in the game. So I, I feel like it was a good call on DJ to shuffle the lines, especially that uh, the newly formed line with Kachuk, Giroux, and Stutza ended up getting pretty much all the goals in the comeback. But uh, that also leads me to mention uh, Alex Dabrinkit. I feel like he played pretty well today, apart from that one turnover on the fifth Vegas goal. I feel like I'm saying that for every sense player. It's like, he played pretty well, but then he also turned it over and led directly to a goal. But uh, I felt like he's been really knocking on the door offensively, and I get so frustrated seeing him get robbed over and over. I think he had a play that hit the post today, too, and there was that one move he had to the backhand where Thompson absolutely robbed him. What have you seen in Alex Dabrinkit's game and kind of how he has been playing like with his teammates and stuff in terms of like the goal production being pretty low so far? He's only got the two goals. Like, what do you think of his game so far? I think he's been pretty much exactly as advertised. Like, I know, you know, when I was doing my deep dive on Alex Dabrinkit because I was like so excited about the trade, people kept saying that like, you know, everybody focuses on the 40 goals, but He's also like a sneaky good playmaker, like he kills penalties, like he's, you know, a really good all around player. And so far, I feel like he's, you know, a surprisingly good playmaker. Um, I, I feel like he's a very smart player. I'm noticing him, him in that way on the ice. Uh, I think he's getting a decent amount of assists too. And he's getting really, really good chances. He's just hitting the post or missing the net or something or, you know, just getting robbed. So I, I'm not too concerned about him. I'm sure maybe his agent is a little bit concerned right now because um, those numbers are probably pretty important for him. But like, I'm sure he'll get going eventually. I feel like maybe if he had gotten going a little bit earlier, maybe some of these Suns games would have like, the result would have been different, which is frustrating. Mm -hmm. Feels like we need him. But also when you have so much depth in terms of scoring, it's okay if one guy isn't going right now, you know, like it's, so it's been okay. Yeah, the, like you said, the Sens' depth has been able to cover up for uh, his lack of goal production so far, but at least he does have a lot of assists. The assists still have him at roughly a point-per-game pace, which is nice to see that he's not just a goal scorer, like you said. And for the most part, I've been impressed with his two-way game as well, which is nice. Like, you also mentioned like his agent is probably not too excited with the numbers right now for the contract. On one hand, though, that then that has me thinking, well, maybe he won't score 40 this year, but if, you know, he gets 30 goals, 30 assists, that's still a, quite a good season, and maybe mm -hmm. we can sign him for a little bit cheaper. I, I don't <laughs> Here's know. Here's the problem, though. Okay, you got to toe the line between cheap contract and no contract, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, maybe, maybe he'll be we like... We need him to sign long-term here. Yeah, maybe he'll be like, oh, this wasn't my best season. I don't like playing yeah. here, something like that. So, But ho hopefully he gets the yeah. goals going soon. 
he seems happy here i'm sure it's fine i think he i think he's content so far yeah. and yeah i i would really like to see next game uh dj to go back to that line putting him with stutzla and Giroux, especially because stutzla and Giroux just played fantastic today both of them Giroux had the lucky goal but he also had the really nice uh goal on the power play too they were the the two best forwards really tonight and i would like to see them uh, both back with Debrinket to try to uh, spark his offense a little bit. Now, I also want to mention goaltending, because we did have a goalie change halfway through the game. I feel like that can't be ignored. I'm sure you'll agree with me, though, that it was not Anton Forsberg's fault at all tonight, right? No, not at all. Um, actually, Anton Forsberg has been such a bright spot of the season. It's such a relief to get goaltending. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that was just a, like, mercy pull, like... Yeah, he was fine. But but Cam Talbot was so good. <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly I why like, I wanted to... Totally, I know, I was totally fine with Anton Forsberg and the way he was playing all game. And then Cam Talbot came in and I was like, hold on, was Anton Forsberg bad the whole time? Because like, this way so good. <laughs> yeah, I think... Let's see, I think I wrote it down here. Yeah, Talbot, that was his first game, they said, in 175 days, which is pretty impressive for him to come in cold like that and just wow us like they kept saying on the broadcast like oh even though the score is getting up there uh, they shouldn't put Talbot in because he needs a proper uh, preparation for a game day for his first start on Saturday and I'm assuming they will still start him Saturday but it was very impressive of him to come in and hold down the fort he uh, he didn't get scored on at all tonight I was really impressed by him yeah he didn't even play in preseason did he I think he played the very first game against Toronto, and then I think okay. that's I think that's when he was injured, like either Possibly. in that game yeah, or just after. Yeah, because I was trying to remember, like, oh, you know, he hasn't played a game, but like, oh, but did he play preseason at least? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's, it's very impressive that he, yeah, did that well. Yeah, and I can't say that any of the goals on Forsberg were ba- bad tonight, or even his fault at all. But you do always have to worry about overworking a goaltender. So it's good to see that Talbot is back after just a month. I remember when he got injured, they were saying (laughs) five to seven weeks. And I think that was about, I think it's been roughly about that time, but you never know with setbacks and stuff, it could always have been worse. So very glad Mm -hmm. to see him there. And I hope he has a great start on Saturday as well. Now, they also mentioned uh, on the broadcast, they asked Bruce Garriach if Magnus Helberg would be sticking with the Sens after uh, Talbot's return. And he suggested that the Sens will actually try to keep Halberg and carry three goalies, which is uh, not a super common strategy. What did you think of that? They keep saying that they're going to keep three goalies. Like, that was the thing at the end of last season. And, like, I don't really believe it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it's much more likely that they'll... I mean, maybe they won't try to train him. Maybe they'll try to sneak him through waivers or something. Um yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to carry three, but like, I don't know, Helberg was really good in his one game, so maybe they just like don't want to get rid of him. Yeah, it, it's tough for me because, like you said, Helberg was fantastic in that game against Dallas, mm-hmm. so, and especially as a goalie who seems to have bounced around a lot in his career, I think he's probably been on waivers quite a few times. You, you don't really want to see him have to go on waivers again, especially how with how uh, Anton Forsberg came to this team. It's been a really nice story to see him find a home after bouncing around the league a lot. So I don't really want to see that happen to uh, Magnus Hallberg, like just going back on waivers. And I know 
uh, Bruce mentioned that Seattle might claim him back, actually. They would get first dibs if he went back on waivers, and they could definitely use a goalie right now. They're just uh, rolling Martin Jones out there and former Senator Joey Decord. So I definitely think uh, I definitely think there would be suitors for Helberg. I would like the Sens to hold on to him. I, I do think the uh, three-goalie strategy is not a great like long-term option, but in case someone goes down again, it would be great to... Uh, have Helberg in in the back, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like the three goalies works if there's some uncertainty. Like at the end of last season, I remember I like wrote an article about this on Silver 7 where I was saying like, well, if you have a situation where like you don't know if Anton Forsberg can keep this up, Matt Murray is constantly injured, Gustafsson is unproven, like it makes sense just have three and like hope that one of them is good at some point. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if there are any issues with Forsberg or, you know, with Talbot, then it makes sense to have three. My concern is both of them are playing really well right now. And I feel like if you have a good goalie tandem, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense for you to carry a third. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now that I think about it, it probably like they could probably get something from him if they tried to trade him. It would suck. But like, I I think that might be best case scenario if they can find a team Mm -hmm. that needs a goalie and get a pick back for him. That's basically a free asset. I think that would be a a good thing for them to try to do. Mm -hmm. And now... We are running out of time here, but before we go, I have to ask you, what do you think about the Ryan Reynolds rumors? I think we need to uh, mention this, at least in passing. This is the funniest thing ever. I am so obsessed with this. I find it's like, it's a lot more fun to speculate about ownership when I like the owner. <laughs> it's like, yeah. now that we have Anna and Olivia, I'm like, I love these guys, girls. This is so much fun. I love having a team that's owned by a bunch of like 20 year old women. Um, And so the idea of just like, you know, one of the most famous Canadian celebrities just like joining in as an owner. Fine. That sounds fun. Yeah, it would uh, it would be really something to have a little bit of a celebrity name attached to the sentence because, you know, we're one of the we're we are one of the bigger cities in Canada, but we don't really have that kind of celebrity element that Toronto or even Montreal has like. It would be really cool well, to see. So that's exactly the thing. Like, it's it's not just the idea of like Ryan Reynolds owning a hockey team. It's like him choosing to own the Ottawa Senators yeah. of all hockey teams, right? Like the Sens being the one hockey team that's like owned by some like famous actor. This was the same. I can't remember. This is the problem. I can't remember if there were actual rumors that Justin Bieber wanted to buy the Sens or oh, if it yeah. was just people making it up because we wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, it was the same kind of thing where I was like, this just, this works for the Sens, <laughs> right? Like, there's just something about like the Ottawa Senators as the team owned by a fun celebrity that's like really fun. Yeah, generally a very fun team to follow the Sens are and it would be even more fun with a mm-hmm. name like that attached to the franchise. Yeah, I hope we just get a whole bunch of celebrities because they all need, they can only be minority shareholders, right? So like, you know, we keep Anna and Olivia, we bring in Daniel Alfredson, we get Ryan Reynolds, we get Justin Bieber, bring in Carly Rae Jepsen too, right? Just like a whole bunch of Canadian celebrities all all get together to own the set. Yeah, I think that would be the the ideal. He can bring in all his famous friends to join the the ownership group. Exactly. (laughs) Like, just found out about this cool team, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, They're making me so much money. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, so with that, we'll begin to wrap it up. Do you want to uh, let the audience know where they can find you? Yeah, um, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at C-B-E-A-T-A-E, so C-B-E-A-T-A-E. 
Um, and you can also read my writing over at Silver7, um, or like it's like silver7sense.com, and you can follow them on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Had a Thanks great for time. having me. It was fun. And to the audience, remember to like and subscribe to SDPN. I will be back on Saturday for the Sens matchup against the Flyers. Hopefully, we can finally talk about a win again. See ya.